death and life are in the power of the tongue. I want you to think about that. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The book of Proverbs is a book that's filled with wisdom. Much of that wisdom was written by King Solomon, who sadly did not live out what he taught others to do. In the book of Proverbs, we learn not how to make a living. We learn how to make a life. And in our verse, we learn the wisdom of words, the foolishness of words, the power of words to launch somebody upward to the great heights, The power of words to sink somebody to the great depths. The power of words. The message tonight only has two points. The first one is what I've already said, the power of the tongue. I want you to look. Can you grab your tongue? Can you do that? According to researchers who make a lot of money doing this kind of research, the average person, the average person, if you be average, opens their mouth 700 times a day to speak. And they will speak an average of 18,000 words out of that 700 times they open their mouth to speak. Now, this is the norm, this is the average. It's more or less for some of us. Some genders tend to speak more than others. Some personalities tend to speak more than others. I'll leave it at that. And these words that we speak, 18,000 words a day on average, These words have power. They can build up, they can tear down. They can energize, they can shut down. They can delight, they can devastate. They can give life, and they can bring death. Proverbs 12.25 says, Kind words cheer a man up. Proverbs 12.18 says, Reckless words are piercing like being stabbed with a sword. During World War II, there was a slogan that was used that urged Americans, American servicemen and their families, urged them to be tight-lipped, if you will, when it came to talking about where they were going and when they were going and how they were going to get there as our American servicemen were crossing the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean to fight in those theaters. You remember what that slogan was? Loose lips sink ships. Now, our loose lips tonight may not sink a ship. Our loose lips tonight may not cost a soldier or a sailor his life. But our loose lips can sink a reputation. Reputation. 
and they can kill somebody's spirit. That's why the Lord, in His wisdom, when He created us, gave us two strong clamps called lips to keep the tongue from flapping out. That's why the Lord, in His wisdom, gave us a white picket fence called teeth to keep the tongue from coming out from behind it. But even with all of these protections... Our tongues still have a way of getting out and saying things that can be very harmful and hurtful to people. Think with me a moment about some of those things that come out of this thing we call our mouth, that we speak with our tongue. First of all, gossip. Gossip. What's gossip, Pastor? I'm glad to tell you. It's talking about others in detail for the purpose of tearing them down. It's talking about others in detail. Oh, delicious details they are. Not for the purpose of information, not for the purpose of praying for them, not for the purpose of helping them, but for the purpose of tearing them down. Proverbs 20, 19 says a gossip betrays a confidence. I like the literal translation better. A gossip puts a knife in your back. A gossip puts a knife right in your back. Angry words are another thing that we allow to come out of these mouths and speak with these tongues that can be very harmful. Angry words. What is angry words? A volcanic eruption that spews out of our mouth destructiveness. All of us have seen pictures of a natural volcano erupting. When we speak angry words, our mouth is erupting. And it's spewing out words that are very destructive to other people. Proverbs 29.22 says, An angry man stirs up a conflict. He spews up a conflict. And then there's some more words that we can speak that are very destructive. Not just gossip, not just angry words, but lying words. Proverbs 6.17 says, God hates a lying tongue. Lying is saying something about someone that you know is not true. It's not a mistake. It's deliberately saying something about someone that you know is not true. It's passing false information that you know is false. And then there's flattery. All of us like to receive flattery, but we need to be careful from where it comes from. Flattery is what someone says about you to your face that they would never say about you behind your back. And the reason why they say nice things to you is they're setting you up for something later. Proverbs 29, 15 says, Flattery is spreading a net in order to catch your neighbor. 
And then the Bible speaks of impulsive speech. We're talking about words that we allow to come out of these mouths, words that we speak with our tongues that cause people pain and are very destructive. Impulsive speech. Saying things with our mouth before we engage our mind. Foot-in-mouth disease, you might say. And most of us are guilty of that. And shoe leather doesn't taste very good, does it? Not only does it not taste good, it doesn't do good to others. Proverbs 29, 20 says, There's more hope for a fool than for a man who talks without thinking. Now think about that. We're talking to people who are saved. People who endeavor to walk with God. People who sing praises to God's name. People who quote scripture. We're talking about you and I. And how we allow gossip into our mouths and out of our mouths and angry words and lying and flattery and impulsive speech. I guess the question tonight would be, how can we stop from doing that? Well, I don't know if we can completely stop it, but I think we can slow it. I think we can learn how to better control it. And so that brings me to the last point of the message. The taming of the tongue. Men can tame dogs. Men can tame horses. Men can tame elephants and tigers, but no man can tame his tongue. It's a very unruly thing, is it not? Has a mind of its own. But how can we bring it under control that we will master it and it does not master us? I'd like to give you some practical things tonight as we close the message. It's not a long message. What are some things that you and I can do practically and biblically speaking to control our mouths and our tongues from being destructive to other people? Well, the first thing we can do is think more. Think more. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The mouth of the righteous thinks before answering. The mouth of the wicked just pour things out. We need to learn how to be reflective before we respond. How to ponder before we pour out. Think. Engage the mind before you speak with the tongue and with the mouth. Think. Thinking's a lost art today, is it not? God wants us to be cerebral people. He wants us to use our heads and our minds, not just to carry a hat on, but to think. And if we're going to master the tongue, control the mouth, we've got to learn to think before we speak. The second thing that we can do is talk less. Talk less. In that 700 times a day you're going to open your mouth, try to reduce the number of words that come out. Proverbs 10, 19 says, He who holds his tongue is wise, 
for many words lead to sin. Did you hear that? He who slows down what he has to say, he who, who, who minimizes his words, he's a wise man. Because when you say too much, it usually leads to sin. I like what the Quakers said. A Quaker saying, Never break the silence unless you can improve upon it. Think more. Talk less. Thirdly, listen better. Listen better. Proverbs 18.13 says, Listen before speaking to avoid folly and shame. Listen. Not hear. Listen before you speak. Some of us never hear what anybody says. We're too busy thinking about what we're going to say while they're talking. I think the Bible wants us to listen twice as much as we speak. You say, Pastor, where'd you get that idea from? Well, we got two ears and one mouth. <laughs> I believe the Lord would have us to listen twice as much as we speak. Now we're talking about taming this thing called the tongue. Think more. Talk less. Listen better. Fourthly, practice speaking encouragement. It takes no size to criticize. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, verse 4, encouraging words bring healing. You want to heal somebody who has a, a broken spirit? Speak encouraging words to them. Think about this. Suppose at the start of every day, you are going to receive $1 for every encouraging word you speak, okay? And you get up in the morning, you start the clock. Every encouraging word you speak, you will receive $1 at the end of the day. Pretty good. Aha. There is a slight thing to go with it, though. Every discouraging word you say, you have to pay a dollar. Okay? Now let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer out loud. How do you think you would fare at the end of every day? Would you come out on the plus side, have money in your pocket? Or would you come out on the minus side and have to take out a loan? <laughs> That's a good question to ask. Practice encouragement. Practice saying something nice to people. So you can put money in your earthly and eternal account. Fifthly, we can learn to master and control our mouth and our tongue by learning to speak gently. The Bible says in Proverbs 15:1, a gentle word turns away wrath. Somebody wisely said, keep your words soft and sweet, because one day you might have to eat them. You know, you can tell the truth and still do it gently. 
I teach young preacher boys when we have our classes together and we talk. You can tell somebody who's without Jesus, you're going to hell. And that's true. But that comes across pretty hard and harsh, if you want to be honest about it. I think it comes across as offensive and causes them to be defensive. And I think it really destroys any access you're going to have to say anything else to them. You say, well, Pastor, that's the truth. Well, it might be the truth. But there's another way of saying that truth, isn't there? You're not going to heaven. Same truth. One comes out negative, the other comes out positive, the other comes out hard and harsh, and yet the other says the same things with gentleness and graciousness. Learn how to speak gently to people. You can always tell the truth, but sometimes think of a way of saying it that comes across better. Sixthly, let's give others a break. Who's perfect here tonight? Raise your hand. I'd like to meet you. I didn't think anybody would raise their hand because nobody's perfect. There's no perfection up here. There's no perfection out there. There's no perfection over here. There's no perfection over there. There's no perfection in the back. There's no perfection in the front. And you know something? Sometimes we just need to understand that most things that people get worked up about are not really right or wrong issues. They're just really a different perspective. I mean, think about the last few arguments you've ever had with anybody about anything. Was it really a matter of, of, of this is right and this is wrong? Or was it just you saw it this way and they saw it that way? You saw the glass half filled, they saw the glass half empty. You saw the, the bright side, they saw the dark side. You saw it from the front, they saw it from the back. The truth of the matter is, who's right or who's wrong? Nobody's right or wrong, it's just a matter of opinion. And everybody has an opinion. And it's not necessary for us to try to correct or to comment on everybody's opinion. Sometimes it's just better not to say nothing. Give someone a break. If they state their opinion, you can sit there and smile and shake your head. Don't have to say nothing else. Men are pretty good at doing that. <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. We can also refuse to listen to gossip. Remember, people are going to gossip. You say, what people are you talking about? We do it. I don't know if we mean to do it, but it happens sometimes. We gossip. We need to refuse to listen to gossip. You see, in order for gossip to be gossip, there has to be somebody speaking and there has to be someone what? Hearing. If you make yourself absent, then there can't be gossip. Because the person who's gossiping would only be talking to themselves in the air. 
Somebody in the Dr. Billy Graham organization, I think, said it well. You can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. You can't stop people from gossiping, but you can make sure that the gossip isn't going to come to you. You can disengage from it, you can disconnect from it. Eighthly, don't believe everything you hear. If you hear something that doesn't make sense to you, it's usually not right. If you hear something that's out of the ordinary, out of the consistency that you are aware of, it's usually not right. Before you respond and spread information that you've heard, check on that information to make sure it's accurate, to make sure it's factual. Don't you become a fountain of misinformation. Check the facts before running your yap. We as a staff, we're very familiar with the fountains of misinformation that can occur. Let me give you some of those prizes that we've had through the years. When we were building the Family Life Center, and we were pouring some slab over there. Somebody got the idea that that slab that was being poured, Brother Norman, was for a helicopter. I kid you not. One of our smart folks analyzed the slab, said it's a helicopter pad. If I've ever seen one, that's one. They must going to be buying the pastor a helicopter. That thing costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. We can't afford that. Then you've got to have a pilot and you've got to pay for the gas. Why in the world does he need a helicopter? <laughs> Fountains of misinformation. <laughs> and then somebody got upset because we didn't help somebody for Thanksgiving. That big bad church at Miles Road, we, we come for help, and they wouldn't help us for Thanksgiving. So people were walking around poochy-lipped, mad at everybody because we didn't do nothing. Well, if they'd have just called the church office, we would have told them the story. But that would have been conveniently too easy. What it was is, for years, we had been helping two sisters, who were not members of this church, by the way, they would come to us asking for Thanksgiving help. And every year, we'd give Sister A a turkey and all the trimmings, all the fixings. And we'd give Sister B a turkey with all the fixings and all the trimmings. Now listen, they lived about a half a mile from each other. They had very small families. But the two sisters did not get along. They absolutely refused to get along. They're not going to share nothing with each other. And so every year they come wanting the same thing. We've got to have two turkeys. We gotta... And one year I just said no. Your bad pastor said no. I'll give one turkey, one fixings, one, all the trimmings, and you two can eat it together, and if you don't want to eat together, you won't eat it at all. And they belly ached about it. And we had people in our church who heard the belly aching and said, oh, I can't believe we did that. 
And then, in a patriotic service, Keith was accused to be an unpatriotic. Because the patriotic police said he did not have the right posture as he was singing his song. Furthermore, the pastor's unpatriotic. Because he doesn't have the right posture when the song was being sung either. And that got around. Some of you heard it. And the sad thing is, some of you believed it. As much as we've done for the veterans for the last 24 years here. Some of you listened to one critic bellyache about how we conducted ourselves at a patriotic service. Now, thankfully, common sense prevailed, but my point is this. All you got to do is call your pastor, and I can pretty much tell you the lowdown on about everything. You don't have to call somebody over here, somebody over there, and ask them. They don't know. Don't believe everything you hear till you check it out. That's a good place for an amen and a lesson learned. Ninthly, we're going to control our mouth and our tongue and not say things that are hurtful. We need to stop boasting. It's been wisely said, if you go around patting yourself on the back all the time, you'll break your arm eventually. Some of us talk too much because we're trying to impress people. Proverbs 25, 27 says, It's not honorable to seek after your own honor. Somebody else said it like this, When you sing your own praises, you'll always be out of tune. And then lastly, we're talking about taming the tongue about watching what we say, because what we say has power. It has power to build up. It has power to tear down. It has the power to take somebody to heaven. It also has the power to send somebody to hell. And the last one of the ten is don't quarrel. Only fools are quick to argue, says Proverbs 23. Only fools like to argue. Do you know that fussing and arguing and quarreling and fighting is used by the devil to start a war in the church? Do you also know that quietness and disengagement, avoidance and diplomacy is used by God to keep peace in the church? Every one of us can either throw gasoline on the fire or we can throw water on the fire. And a lot of it is how we handle something when it comes up. The power of the tongue. The taming of the tongue. Now let's close by asking you to consider this in closing. Has anybody ever said something about you that has hurt you? Has anybody in your lifetime ever said something about you that was hurtful? I dare say yes for every single one of us. 
multiple yeses for every single one of us. What do we do when people say things about us that hurts us? What would Jesus do? They said a lot of hurtful things about him, did they not? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do, and maybe we could change that. They know not what they say. Forgive and forget. Let it go. Forgive, forget what others say about you. Remember, cut them a break. Let it go. Now, we would all agree that people have said things about us that have been hurtful. Would that, would that not be correct? That'd be good, yeah. Have we ever said something about someone that was hurtful? Why are some of you ducking now? Have we ever said anything about someone else that was hurtful? If so... Maybe we need to apologize. Certainly we don't need to ever say it again. You can't change what you've already said. That's water under the bridge. But you can stop saying it now so that water won't pass under the bridge again. Thirdly, we can yield our tongues to God. Yield our tongues to God. Lord, help me each and every day. Lord, help me speak words that bring life, not cause death. We call him master. Can he master our tongues? Yes. We call him Lord. Can he be Lord over our mouths? Yes. If he's the master of the sea, he can certainly control our tongues and our mouths. If he can calm the winds and the waves, he certainly can control what comes out. But remember, he doesn't do anything unless we what? Ask him. Have you ever asked the Lord to help you control what you say? That should be a prayer for each and every one of us, perhaps every day. And then lastly, I think, the more we read God's Word... The more this word soaks in here, the better chances are this word will come out here. What goes in is what comes out. What you eat is what you're going to regurgitate. And if you're eating the word of God, the bread of life, you will, chances are, speak forth what you have taken in. Words, they make us or they break us. May God help us use them to make a positive difference in this world we live in. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.